Welcome to another round of the Boiler Basketball Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. I am Jared Jesselatis, Jeff Julek on the other side of the console here. We're going to talk Boilermaker and Big Ten Hoops with you all hour long, as painful as it might be at times. It must Everybody's be done. Take a deep breath. The sun did come up this morning, right? I mean, it's going to be okay. Uh you wouldn't get that sense if you looked on Twitter at uh, some of the immediate comments. I-, I get it, Jeff. It stings. You lose to your rival. Um, w- it's another kind of last-second shot that does Purdue in. They're two last-second shots away from being, what, 17-1? and one? Yeah, and absolutely. And they've, they've lost uh, and three, people games, are freaking. three games by a total of 10 points and all uh, career nights from uh, three individuals to uh, give those Boilermakers that loss. It's a tough one. I know you don't like the guy in the office that's sitting there and yelling the rivalry's back on because they've just won one of the last ten. Uh, that still does not make a rivalry. Uh, it, look, and one out of the last fourteen. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, t- two. Well, two, right? Two out of the last. Two 14. out of the last fourteen. Yeah, that's correct. Um, so, yeah, look, pump your brakes. Uh, it, it can happen in a uh, what was you know Vegas had that game what three and a half. Yep. So we knew it was going to be a, a tight one. I think a lot of the game planning went out of the window early on when Trace Jackson Davis had to hit the bench with his two fouls. I think as a Purdue fan, you're saying, great, their best players on the bench, let's go. It forced IU to do something different, and I think it was something that Purdue uh, struggles to defend. And that, you know, you, you kind of brought it up earlier uh, when we were talking, is that guard oriented uh, offense that they had. Just really gave Purdue problems. Yeah, and you could argue that that's kind of been a, a problem the last two games. You know, when Kofi went out with foul trouble, Illinois became a more guard-oriented team, and and that happened uh, to Indiana last night. So, yeah, you know, that obviously they weren't prepared for that, and uh, you, you know, he was in foul trouble, and you think the Boilermakers would have an advantage. But, uh, you know, the big men struggled last night. You know, you had a very efficient performance out of Zach Eady, who was, what, six out of seven from the field, but uh, really struggled at the free throw line. And yep. then... You know, for some reason, uh, Trey Trey just has the yips right now. Oh, and boy. Uh, well, I mean, you know. I love that kid. I really do. That was not his game. But he uh, with four or five turnovers or so, four turnovers, um, six rebounds, and over two from the charity stripe. One for four from the field goal range, and uh, that's uh, that's tough in in fifteen minutes. I mean, late in that game, he puts a great move on Trace Jackson. Dave, great move. Wide open right there. He's he's inside that little boundary, too, to take the charge. Uh-huh. And it just, it's short. And yeah. you you know that 90, almost 100 times out of 100, he hits that shot. Yeah, and it certainly I'm, gets to the rim at that point. And, and it just, it, 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 then you go, what, you go down the, the, the court there. Uh, Rob Fennessy takes that three, misses it. Trey tips it out. I, it just, it's not his night. And sometimes that happens. It's just. You don't want that to happen in assembly hall. Yeah, and, and I was just going to say that. I mean, you know, they grab that rebound, and, and they're going to be going down the free throw line to try to extend a two two point lead. And you know, they just between Eric Hunter and him, they they knocked it out of bounds. And you know, they've got to get this free throw shooting taken care of with the big men because of seventeen is a team, not with the big men. The entire team's yeah, got to work. Especially on the this. big men, they were two out of nine from the free throw line. You just cannot miss seven free throws because you're going to get fouled, and you're going to get fouled a lot. And we know Zach Eady is one of the, the leading uh, uh, players in the country when it comes to drawing fouls per 40 minutes. And, you know, you just can't let that happen. And, and so that's something they've got to get worked out. And, you know, Zach was an incredible free throw shooter last year. He had 70% of his free throws. And, 
and you know struggled last night and then Travion missed the two free throws that that really was a big point of the game when he could have made those to to help the Boilermakers. So, you know, some things to work on for the for Purdue, but uh, you know, keep in mind still a very very good basketball team and uh you know, unfortunately the the momentum they they picked up in that great victory over Illinois on Monday when it comes to the Big 10 race, they now took a step backwards and they find themselves two games back in the uh in the loss column. A lot's going to be made out of the last couple of minutes subbing out Zach Eady and putting in Trey in that position. Uh, I, I'm on the record on Twitter saying I, I would have stayed with Edie in that spot. I just thought he was giving you a lot on the offensive side. They were clearly struggling with him on uh, on the interior. Trace Jackson Davis clearly did not feel comfortable guarding him as a big guy. I understand what Trey normally brings you, and, and I get that, but I feel like I was reading the wins in that one, and it should have stayed with Zach. I, I don't like the second-guess paint. He knows that crew better than anybody, uh, especially anybody on Twitter, that's for sure, including <laughs> uh, my yokel of a rear end. But um, I, I don't know. Is, is it fair to question whether or not you should have kept Zach in instead of going to train this one? Well, you know, it, it's almost like a manager in baseball. You know, you have a closer, and, and that's what uh, Trey has been. He's been the closer, and, you know, he, he struggled uh, in the Illinois game, but he came in and closed the game with some incredible passes, especially on those giving goes to Eric Hunter. So, you know, coaches get into a routine and, and uh, you go to that closer and, you know, if he gives up a home run or two in, in the baseball world, you know, then at some point you may have to evaluate that. But, uh, you know, I, I think coach did what he thought was best. And unfortunately, you know, if we grab a rebound there, we wouldn't even have this discussion right now. So so we'll see. I mean, I, I hope we won't be challenged again until, uh, you know, we go to Iowa. It's going to be a huge game coming up here uh, next week. Uh, you know, we should be able to handle Northwestern at home. Hopefully the status of Jaden Ivey will be okay. I know he's battling that hip flexor that he, you know, obviously was not 100% last night, but yet he goes off for, what, 21 points. So great effort by uh, Jaden to try to uh, will the team to victory, but unfortunately came up a little short. Yeah, the thing probably didn't feel good either after uh, that scumbag of a foul by uh, by race there. Um, on uh, after the whistle there, and, and he hits the deck hard. I felt like that was a momentum changer, though. I thought that was the point where Jaden Ives, forget it. I'm going to do it all myself. You you want to do this? Fine. I and and it seemed like he kicked it into another gear after that. And you love to see that, you know. That's oh, that, yeah, I love uh, to see that's it. that Carson X, you know, that uh, he just had that uh, bulldog look in his eye, and and he was not going to be denied. And you know, he uh, he just bare, he was a little short when he drove the ball there. That after they had uh, hit that big shot. Um, he just didn't quite get around the corner there and, and forced up a shot there that came up short. And then, you know, that last three-pointer to try to tie it, boy, it was right on the money and just rimmed out for the Boilermakers. Can somebody please explain to me, and I don't know if it was the official Courtney Green or who, who heck it was, did, did, did Brandon Newman, like, what did he do to these officials? Did he get in front of Did he cut them in line and get the last PS5 at the store or something like that? Because these going to be the three worst foul calls I have ever seen against wow. a player. Uh, that poor guy was only in for five minutes and got three fouls. It had to be the most garbage fouls I've seen in quite some time. And how about the play where Parker Stewart knocks down Jaden Ivey and knocks him out of bounds and gets the ball and goes down for a basket and there's no call on that. I mean, that call is always made. You know, I was concerned about that officiating crew because there was so much hostility in that arena last night. You know, it lined up for hours and hours. Well, not to mention they were, what, like 24 hours off of a uh, uh, another suspect officiating game yeah, in Iowa you know, Rutgers. And, and, 
you almost get the impression that a fishing crew is intimidated by the crowd, and, and I was concerned about that. I, I never feel that way when you have – I know people give Bo Borowski a lot of grief, but he can handle the crowd, and so can Car- DJ Carstensen. But, uh, you know, I was a little concerned about Courtney Green and that crew last night, and, uh, you know, I, I really think some of the calls went against the Boilermakers, and, uh, you know, and it's just one of those things where I wish the Big Ten would do a little better job of uh, getting a – their best crew together for a big game. And there was, that was the only game in the conference last night. And, so. you know, I, I don't like blaming the officials. I don't think there's like one thing, hey, listen, if they don't do that, then, you know, Purdue wins that game. I, you, you know, you got to live and die by some of that stuff. But I think it's perfectly fair to criticize, you know, so, you know, some of the calls is, hey, what do you, what do you see here? How, how are you gathering that? And, and what are you doing? Because, um, you know, is, is Brian Newman or, uh, or not Brian Newman, but Brian Newbert, uh, pointed out <laughs> this week, um, these crews are getting used up at an incredible rate now. There, there's fewer and fewer, and uh, they're doing more and more games. And y- you got to wonder if you're doing uh, what, like three, four games in a week with the travel time in between, uh, that's that's taxing at some point, right? And, and things tend to fall through the cracks a little bit. You get a little sloppy at times. Yeah, especially in the travel in the Big Ten. You know, you got all the way out to Nebraska, all the way to the East Coast with Rutgers and. You know, the, these guys have to do a lot. And then you've got some of the better officials in the Big Ten who don't officiate uh, their full crew. You know, for example, I think uh, Serato is a police chief, I believe, in the, in the uh, police chief in the off uh, time. And so he only like, does. Isn't that like Fort Lauderdale, too? Yeah, he only yeah, does. Yeah, you like, know he's going to come up here and be grumpy when he's yeah. up to the barn in Minnesota and there's three <laughs> feet of snow outside <laughs> and the so. windshield's negative five. He's like, I should be in Lauderdale right now. What am I doing? Yeah, so the Big Tens of, is facing the exact same thing that, that high schools are facing across these states where there's just not uh, a lot of officials. And, uh, you know, they, they pay them well. They have great perks. But, boy, it's a, it's a lot of travel uh, time for these officials. Yeah, so um, like I said, I'm not laying the blame, but there are definitely some calls where you're like, "Really? Oh, okay, all right." And, you know, you, you got to roll with that stuff. You got to adapt as a team. And you know, unfortunately, everything that happens, Purdue comes up uh, one three pointer short. You got to tip your hat to Rob Fennessy. Uh, a great moment for him. He's always been a great kid and great member of this community here too. Um, but it just does as a Purdue fan does not bring you any solace whatsoever. Uh, you want to win that one, and uh, you knew it was bound to happen eventually. I, it, it was going to happen eventually. They were going to win one. Yeah, you know, and I I think you saw the same thing with the high State uh, Michigan football rivalry. You know, the, the Buckeyes probably were the better team this year when they went to Michigan, but Michigan was just sick and tired of losing it to high State, and they won the game. And I oh, think they had so much invested in that game last night. So yeah, much. I mean, you know, this was and, and that that's what happened when Woodson came in. You know, he, um, you know, he has put together that fan base thinks that they need to win at home. The problem is they can't win on the road because they cannot take that that 17,000 crazies on the road and, and they really struggle on the road, but you know, they wanted to win that game and you could argue that they wanted to win it more than Purdue. I, I don't know if that's the case. I just think that, uh, you know, Purdue not executing that, you know, if Purdue had got out, they got that big lead. And if they could expanded that and got up to 16, 18 points, I think I, you would have been really down, but instead, you know, uh, number one came in and started hitting some shots and, uh, um, and, you know, he brought him back into that game and, and was able to close the gap. So, you know, Purdue didn't execute, and, and they kind of take a step back from because defense had been better and better. I thought they were much better against Illinois, but uh, it was a little bit difficult last night.
All right, we're going to take a break. Alan Karpik of GoldenBlack.com, he is our guest next as we continue the Boiler Basketball Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. Welcome back. The Boiler Basketball Show continues on 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. Back over to our Hammerhead hotline we go, and it's Alan Karpik, GoldenBlack.com. Uh, what is a tremendous website for all of the Purdue faithful. Uh, they do such a great job of covering everything Purdue sports, uh, including recruiting. Brian does a great job you know, actually getting out and seeing these kids and stuff. Uh, it's tremendous. I'm a subscriber. Absolutely love it. Uh, Alan is the head man over there. Al, always great to talk to you. Uh, we need some perspective here this afternoon. Uh, it still stings a little bit. The uh, streak is now officially over. Uh, IU declaring that the rivalry is back on, although I would say when you win, what, uh, what one out of or two out of the last 14, I think you still got some work to do to get back to it being a rivalry, but still it stings, Alan comfort us with your kind words. <laughs> well, well I, I think that, you know, you have to, at least from an Indiana fans perspective, the rivalry is back. They stormed the court to Purdue has had a bad, uh, uh, bad uh, trend here since December of having two two courts uh, uh, filled full of uh, fans uh, from a team that be, had just beaten Purdue. But you know, it, it is uh, looking at back from a day later. The Boilermakers certainly had every chance to win that game. Did not play very well in a number of different places. Lost the poise in the first half, and yet still should have won the game. You know, if uh, uh, if Travion Williams basically doesn't airball a four foot uh, shot. And not to lay it all on Travion, but uh, you, you go up four and you have that game, you get out of Bloomington alive. But it didn't happen, and to Indiana's credit, they made all the shots they had to have. But, uh, you know, again, this is a game where this is the life in the Big Ten. I know fans don't always want to hear that, but especially when you're ranked in the top five. But it's what you get in the Big Ten. And if you don't play well and you allow teams to hang around uh, like Purdue did, uh, in in the first half, and Purdue got so got ahead, and then just didn't bury him. Uh, this is what happens. And Alan, how concerned are you with the point guard play? I mean, uh, you know, I, I think we all have hopes of this team going deep in the NCAA tournament. But boy, it's a guard play when it comes to the NCAA. And uh, you know, we thought we made some strides with Eric Hunter on Monday, but you know, last night, uh, uh, very little production out of the point guards. Well, you know, Isaiah Thompson at least hit a couple shots and has still been struggling shooting the basketball. Hunter, in 16 minutes, just never got uh, got untracked in terms of offensively. I don't know if you how to how to break down exactly what he did and what uh, Matt Painter wanted from him, but you know, I think it still is. It's going to be a common refrain, certainly. What how well how much Purdue's point guards can can contribute. I think it's more of a question of do they contribute at what Purdue needs and. Isaiah Thompson hitting three or a couple threes in a key situation uh, yesterday was a step in the right direction, but there's no question. Purdue is showing one thing, and that is it cannot just uh, blow by folks and uh, show up and win basketball games, especially on the road. You know, again, I'll go back to what we saw in the first half where Purdue had a 16 to 8 lead and had the game in hand, and all of a sudden Rob Finnessy uh, becomes the reincarnation of Jerry West uh, offensively. And that uh, that's for your old time listeners. And uh, that is, uh, that was tough to see from a Purdue perspective though. I think Purdue's point play, Jeff, Purdue's point uh, guard play is what it is. They just need to get the right kind of contribution at the right time and really allow Jaden Ivey also from the backcourt to carry him. Alan, if it's you and we're uh, in that under four minute timeout there, 
Zach Eady comes out, Travion Williams comes in. Would you have kept Trey on the bench and, and left Zach in, or do you think it was uh, you, you would have done the same thing Matt Painter did and, and bring in Trey like he has as that closer? Well, I, I again, I <laughs> we'd all feel differently if Trey just didn't have, just had a bad game. I mean, I don't know what else to say. He just did not have, you know, he's one for four from the field uh, in 15 minutes. Just did not, you know, hit, didn't hit free throws also, but didn't help. Um, but uh, I don't know what else to tell you. I, I, I think you do it. You dance with what works. Edie was uh, was good, but not great yesterday. Not dominant as much as Purdue wanted him and needed him to be. Uh, and again, the big number there, fellas, two for seven from the free throw line mm-hmm. for Zach Edie, zero for two from Travion Williams, seven for seventeen. You just can't beat a quality uh, team on the road, especially in a rivalry game, and make seven of seventeen free throws. It's really that simple. And yet, yeah, you know, turn, ten turnovers in the first half. I was concerned about how Purdue lost its cool uh, early on. Jaden Ivey's uh, uh, shove of Trey Galloway wasn't a good look. All those kinds of things. But I still think the story of this season, guys, is stating the obvious is how much Purdue improves. And, and Purdue is going to have to make improvement to, to, to do what it wants to do in the NCAA tournament. There's time for it. It needs to get to its metal, M-E-D-D-L-E, so to speak, together. And uh, and all of a sudden get a run going, but uh, it's tough in the Big Ten because you play at Indiana, you come back play Northwestern, and you go to Iowa next week. You're just not going to have easy games on the road, and you're going to have potential pitfalls everywhere you turn. And now, are you concerned for the big man? I mean, you know, obviously Trey last two games he's not uh, played very well, and you know, and are you concerned with their aggressiveness? I mean, two fouls for for uh, Edie last night. I think you'd like to see a few more uh, more challenges by him and. You know, all of a sudden he's become a fifty percent free throw shooter in conference play, and you know it was so good last year at over seventy percent. Uh, you know, can they get that fixed? And are you concerned about it? Well, I think you got to be concerned about the fact that you know keep the, every time you, t- you watch a game on TV and they and the uh, guys talk about what a good free throw shooter Zach Eady has been, uh, it hasn't been that way uh, certainly in conference play. So again, those are the little things that get you beat. Simple as that. Two for seven, zero for two. We keep harping on that, but that's what happened last night in Bloomington. Uh, yes, and a barrage of, of uh, you know Indiana's. Give Indiana credit too. Indiana played good defensively. They made the shots that they had to make. Uh, you know, I'm not sitting there saying that Indiana did, did nothing to deserve it to win, but Purdue's got to do those kind of things. And the Matt Painter talked about it in post game. Uh, Purdue's uh, struggle with Indiana's guards had as much to do with breakdowns in Purdue's post-defense or defense close to the basket as it did from its guard play. And that was really clear with, with watching Rob Finnessy run around uh, unscathed. Nasty hit some huge shots, too. But in the first half, that was a big problem. So, yes, the answer is Purdue needs to be more aggressive, more of a force defensively, and it's going to show up. And it always gets magnified when you lose a game like it did last night. We're talking with Alan Karpoff of goldenblack.com here on our Hammerhead Hotline. All right, well, you know, you, Jeff, you want to go ahead and be a Debbie Downer about everything, you go right ahead. But me and Alan, we are going to uh, take a moment. And can we just appreciate Mason Gillis for a minute oh, here, Alan? excellent. Can, I mean, what, what a heck of a stat line. Nobody's talking about the stat line. Five of six from the field, three of four from behind the arc. Uh, pulled down seven rebounds, 13 points. Uh, he has fought his way back into uh, uh, that starting role and, I feel like has really started to solidify that over the last several games. 
He has, and he's played very, very well. I mean, he had some cup, tough balls that he, I wish he'd gotten his hands on yesterday. That's kind of the way the ball bounced a couple of times uh, towards the end of the basketball game. But it's hard to find fault with anything that Mason Gillis is doing. Uh, he even drew the ire of Indiana fans, uh, which you would expect in, in a situation uh, last week or based on what happened this past summer. But I thought he responded well. He just continues to make plays. And again, this you know the the sun came up this morning. Purdue is is still a I think a solid top ten team. It's just we're going to find out whether Purdue is good enough to 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 win games like these. Uh, they were good enough, by the way, on Monday to pull one out of the fire at Illinois against an Illinois team, which is a better team than Indiana. Uh, and so it's not all is not lost. Uh, this is a team that can go on a run. But it's got to do some things better. That's one thing we know. You can't, you don't just don't get picked in the top five and then show up. And I'm not saying Purdue's effort's not good enough, but sometimes its skill level hasn't been good enough. And that comes to shooting free throws uh, and doing the things uh, that allow Indiana also uh, to get a lot of fast break points and run outs on Purdue. Uh, just some things that, uh, that need to be shored up, and uh, we'll see if Purdue can do it. And I know there's still some fans out there listening right now that are saying, yeah, the sun came up this morning, Alan, but I still had to go out there and clean off the car because there was snow on it. So why don't you just <laughs> yeah, go ahead true. and take that optimism. I and, didn't and... say anything about ice and snow. I just said the sun <laughs> came up. So, so, but, you know, again, I think this is a storyline. It is tough. I think it's a different thing when you are when you are ranked in the top 10th and Purdue, like it or not, uh, Purdue fans liked it. Uh, Purdue got to number one this year. They were anointed a team that was destined for the Final Four in November. I still think this team can get to the final four, but it's not going to be given that opportunity. And I think there's still work to be done, things to be figured out. How, and I think one of the things we're, we're kind of hitting on here is also Purdue's rotation and how Purdue continues. You know, Can Purdue really still play 10 guys? And I, I sense that that's still – Matt Painter still talks about it in just about every postgame about guys on the, coming off the bench and not getting in rhythm. You know, I don't know. That's what's going to be an interesting story to find out to, and to watch over the next few games. How does Purdue play? We know that Jaden Ivey needs to be on the floor. We know Mason Gillis needs to be on the floor. Uh, Sasha Stefanovic, though, did not shoot the ball well yesterday, but get 34 minutes there as well. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how Purdue uh, settles into the stretch run as we get to it in February and March and where that, that lineup is in terms of the Brandon Newmans and the Ethan Mortons of the world. And Alan, any update on uh, Jaden's injury? I know he was uh, struggling quite a bit there at the end of the game. Not that I know of. Uh, and I think that uh, I, you know, he almost didn't play yesterday, but he, he gutted that out. And, that, and this is a guy that is a very, very special player, but you know, you hope that uh, a little bit of rest, and there isn't a lot of rest and Northwestern is dangerous. Also Michigan state found that out. So Purdue cannot afford a letdown and, and eat and, Jaden Ivey's only got 48 hours or so to get ready for Sunday's, not even that, to get ready for Sunday's uh, game. So injuries are part of things in the Big Ten. Purdue's got to find a way to just fight through it and, and become the kind of toughness, tough Purdue team that we've seen over the years. If Purdue can do that, I like the Boilermakers' chance that they still have a very, very special season, uh, even though a very disappointing loss is on Thursday night at Indiana. Alan Karpik of goldandblack.com again. Great, great website. Uh, Tom does a great job. Brian does a great job. 
Allen's great too. Sometimes they let Kyle Charters come over there, and no, no, no. I, I mean, and sometimes Kyle gets to come over there. Okay, and, and th- that's really where I'm trying to throw the salt at here, Allen. You're terrific, buddy. I love you, man. You do a great job. Uh, I'm ex- I'm exceedingly average, but that's I appreciate that. So that's just always good to hear. We got to have laughter, and if you're a Purdue fan today, you got to have some things to laugh about. And uh, uh, and uh, if, if it's at my expense, Jared. I'll have have at it, my friend. I'm trying to, we're, we're trying to laugh on the uh, inside and, and on yeah. the outside. If we can do it in both, we're, we're winning today. Al, hey, always a pleasure talking some hoops with you, my man. Uh, enjoy your weekend. We'll talk with you again next week, all right? All right, sounds good, guys. Have a great rest of the show. Welcome back. The Boiler Basketball Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. Jared Jesselat and Jeff Julik as we continue our little group therapy session that we have coming out of last <laughs> night. And uh, we bring in our uh, resident, Dr. Freud, here, Nate Barrett, the man with his finger on the pulse of Boilermaker Nation. It's uh, It probably got a little out of control last night. It was probably a little out of control this morning here, Nate. Nobody likes losing uh, to their rivals, uh, that's for sure, especially when you've won so many. But, I mean, heck, it's it's been a hell of a run of Purdue winning, and you knew it had to end sometime, right? Uh, and it's not like it ended in blowout fashion. Uh, it, it ended yeah. on a good kid from uh, McCutcheon High School just having the night of his life, and you know, sometimes you just you can't get out of the way of that thing. Yeah, uh, I'm going to start with a story, a quick one, about Rob Fennessy uh, coming out of the locker room uh, after one of their losses over the past couple of years here at Mackey and uh, taking the time to pose for pictures with my son and other kids in their Purdue jerseys and being very nice to those kids, uh, which was a very classy on Rob Fennessy's part. He didn't have to do any of that, especially feeling bad after a loss. But if, if there's anything that can help, uh, you know, Purdue fans this morning wish, you know, uh, wish they had a different outcome, but feel good for that kid. He's he he was a first class young man, uh, and so you you know, even though you always want the Boilers to pull it out, if I you had to have somebody step up and uh, get you uh, couldn't happen to a nicer kid than Rob Fennessy. And Nate, what's it say about uh, the respect for this Purdue program when, you know, they've been the victim of two uh, court stormings this year and, and, you know, they continue to be one of the top teams in the country. And obviously we're getting the best game from these teams. And uh, we saw that last night uh, out of Indiana. Well, Jeff, it's a good thought because I guess, everybody's going to lose eventually and I'd rather be the team that they storm the court after they beat you than uh, one that they don't. Uh, so, you know, it's, it shows how deep Purdue's relevance is. Uh, who, somebody tweeted last night that uh, years ago, would IU fans have stormed the court if they beat Purdue? Mm-hmm. Uh, cer- certainly not. So it, it's come a long way. Um, and, and I'll be even more honest with you, fellas, and discuss this with my Purdue graduate wife last night. Uh, as much as, and she doesn't care for the Hoosiers, uh, <laughs> but what's, what's funny is you appreciate in this sense, as much as Purdue was winning and the way they were winning, it wasn't a lot of fun there with the, some of those Archie games. Uh, the rivalry's back on, and that's probably in the long run a good thing for the state. See, I'm, I'm in this court of let's pump the brakes on the rivalry is back on. I mean, it's what two out of like Jeff and I said, but two out of the last 14, 
Um, you know, I, I feel like Indiana's still got some more work to do before we can really get back to it being oh. a thing. I mean, if they show up to no. Mackey at the end of the season, get blown out by double digits, you're going to say, hey, I'm glad you enjoyed your Super Bowl down there, but well, it, it's done. I, I have every reason to think you're right, Jared, that that very well could happen, and we had that discussion this morning. That's probably what will happen. But I thought IU, at least, they by the end with Archie, if you're just a, a fan of college basketball, you didn't like how IU was playing. They weren't playing together. Their offense was stagnant. Defensively, they didn't work hard. It was not IU basketball as even Purdue fans had experienced it through all the years. And uh, that's what I'm getting at is that in terms of it, they seem to be playing for Mike Woodson. And that uh, will be, uh, you know, it makes it more interesting in the state. That's all I'm saying. I, I think you're right. I think Purdue will have no trouble when they come up here to Mackey and will play very much ready to go. But I just think in general uh, they seem to be a, a different group with Mike Woodson than they were with Archie. And, Nate, you know, this team sets two games behind, uh, what, Illinois and Michigan State in the standings. I still think they got a chance to win this uh, things, but obviously the uh, margin of error has tremendously been reduced. Is it time for, for us to shorten the rotation a little bit? I mean, you know, it's really tough, as, and Matt talked about this in postgame last night, for, for people to get into rotations when they're playing five, eight minutes a game. I mean, as great as maybe a Brandon Newman or some of those players are, is it is it time to shorten this rotation a little bit? Well, it would be interesting to see what Matt does because we all talked at the beginning of the year. Of, you know, you had two starting fives and you had ten players, and you make a good point, Jeff, that it doesn't feel that way right now. Uh, it feels like, a, you know, certainly a, a good surprise. Not a surprise, but a good, a, a good recovery for Purdue by Mason Gillis, who was out early. Uh, comes back and, and has really done some good things for Purdue. So uh, you, you also, you know, Travion's going to play, but he needs to get back on track after a couple tough games. And uh, you, you may be on to something, Jeff. Matt might, you know, be, be changing things up as you move ahead here uh, into the later part of the Big Ten season. But they're not where they thought they would be. Uh, it's had to have been a very humbling thing. But at the same point, I think Purdue fans from the start of this year you always want a Big Ten title, but everybody was geared up in their head to see if this team could make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. All of that is still very much out in front of them, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see you know, how Purdue continues to battle, especially on the road, because uh, they're a marked team. And, and even in losing, uh, people see a performance like Jaden Ivey's in the second half and, you know, if no one's going to let up Purdue on Purdue this year. No one's going to give them a, a break at all. This Big Ten's going to be big, tough, and nasty. The other thing, uh, you know, the Twitterverse was going on about, guys, is Purdue will continue to have to be the tougher team. You go back to that clip of Matt Painter with Isaac Haas a couple of years ago that was so famous from down at Assembly Hall. They're going to hit Purdue. I mean, they're, they're going to contest every pass. They're going to be tough on Purdue on the boards. And uh, Purdue's going to have to match the toughness of everybody trying to take a chip out of them and do it with poise, guys. That'll be a tremendous challenge for Purdue as they go along. Talking with Nate Barrett here on the Hammerhead Hotline. I like the idea of shortening up the rotation, Nate. Um, they always let some guys get in the flow. I think it creates more competition in practice. If you know there are now fewer minutes to go around, uh, you need to make the best case possible. And, uh, you know, everybody loves to have a little competition, right? It, it 
uh, what it, it breeds innovation, it breeds toughness. Um, and if you got to fight for those minutes even more and more in practice, not saying they're not doing that right now, but um, you know when you burn, when Cortez burns the ships, man, that uh, that tends to uh, light a fire under some guys, doesn't it? Yeah, I think I think you're right. Playing time is the the coin of the realm for these coaches. And uh, when they're not seeing what they want, they, they really ultimately have one remedy, and that, that's for you to sit on the bench. Uh, and that's the currency in college basketball is playing time, minutes on the floor. And so it, it's going to be fascinating to watch Matt. You know, we've, we've watched Matt now for all these years, uh, but he clearly has the most talented overall, you know, situation that he's had in terms of depth and, and unique NBA-level talent. Uh, with with Ivy, so how he plays those cards uh, is going to be fascinating to see, and, and I think the the thing Purdue fans uh, are excited and hopeful about after the Carson Edwards run with Klein that can you stay at this at this level you've been at in the Big Ten where you know Purdue's right there every year with Michigan State in terms of the team everybody wants to beat when they come in, and I think Matt has it at that point, but even when you do. It's, uh, it's worked all the time to sustain it. I will also add, guys, that don't forget the, that that 10-0 turnover situation in the first half uh, can't stand, and I'm sure Matt addressed that with the team. Uh, you, you put up 10 turnovers in the first half against any kind of a, a ball club on the road, you're going to be in trouble because you're going to have dug yourself a hole, and IU had a lot of points off those turnovers, and that can't happen when Purdue does that you're really putting yourself behind the eight ball. And Nate, speaking of turnovers, uh, next Thursday we get our first opportunity to play a team twice. We head out to uh, Iowa City to take on the Hawkeyes, and uh, we all remember how that game ended with the press and the turnovers. So how big is this uh, game going to be uh, next Thursday, uh, You know, assuming we take care of the Wildcats here on Sunday? Well, part of it comes down, Jeff. Uh, Matt commented on it the other day, but I mean, how, how many losses wins this league? Uh, and you guys have said it, you, you don't have much margin. You, you're going to have you have a burden, you know, because of, you've got two road losses and a loss at Mackey, you know, in the in the early goings here. So you've got to get that one in Iowa City, and, you, and you've got to be awfully strong on the road from here on out. I think Purdue will recover and, and do fine here at Mackey with the great fan support that they have. But the road is going to be an interesting ride for Purdue. Uh, because uh, it, it, I don't know about you guys, but I, it's hard to see the way uh, Illinois has been and Wisconsin. I mean, do, do they lose four or five games? I'm not so sure. Nate, the other thing I like to bring up, because I want to end this thing on a, uh, on a positive note, and you know, I was on Twitter last night, and, of course, there's so many people blaming so many things and blaming Matt Painter. I mean, the amount of things that I've been told Matt Painter all of a sudden can't do is, is absolutely remarkable. But I, I think if you take some perspective in this here, Nate, you are what a fantasy uh, three-pointer with five seconds left and a half-court Eurostep buzzer beater away from being seventeen and one, uh, I, and and fans are absolutely losing their mind. You talked a little bit about this before we went on the air about how maybe you even bought a little bit into the hype and how great this team was going to be, and you thought that they were just going to steamroll through this uh, through this conference this year, and it hasn't been the case. And I think that's a a big reason why a lot of people are kind of lashing out here today. Yes, uh, and as you step back, as, Next you, question. as you step, you step back and look at the big picture, and you go, ah, "That was quite silly of most of us to 
to think that Purdue is going to go 17-1 in the Big Ten and and just march their way right in with no troubles to uh, the deep postseason. Uh, we should know better. All of us that have watched college basketball should know it's not going to be that easy, especially in this league. I but think we'll go 17 and three. That's stop. <laughs> there you go. You know what's going to be fascinating, guys? Or yeah, 17 three. What's going to be fascinating? I forgot the extra two games. I'm still thinking about the old schedule. He's still upset. I'm trying to get him in a good place here. And look what no, you did, what, Jeff. What, stop triggering what, him. What's What's going to be fascinating, guys, is that. Do you guys and all of us as, as fans and watchers at the end of the year feel like Purdue's mental toughness kept increasing as the season went on? Do they grind more games out down the way here? Uh, you know, do they do they come through at the end in some of these close ones? And it is worth noting, guys, that Purdue, you know, is not losing big here. I mean, I thought that could have gone really sideways last night. They clawed their way back in. And it was close at the end. Purdue has that kind of talent to stay with virtually anybody, So, uh, especially when Ivy hits that next gear. So hope springs eternal, fellas, not only for a Big Ten title, but a deep postseason run. Nate Barrett, uh, the man with his finger on the pulse of Boilermaker Nation, calming us all down here. That's the way to do it. Nate, always a pleasure talking with you here on the show. Uh, Boiler up, enjoy Sunday's game, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, buddy? Guys, thanks for having me. Have a great week. Welcome back. Boiler Basketball Show is on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. Jared Jessalaz and Jeff Julik. All right, a few minutes left here. Let's take a look at the Big Ten and what is ahead for this week. Uh, after last night's loss, uh, things have changed a lot for the Boilermakers in terms of the Big Ten standings. That still see Wisconsin and Illinois at 6-1 and one on top of the league. Michigan State at 5-1. and one, Ohio State at 5-2. and two. Go ahead and raise your hand if you had Rutgers at the end of January being just a game out of first place. Jeff, put your hand down, you liar. <laughs> you never bought into that, but they're at 5-2. and two. IU at 5-3, and three, Purdue at 4-3, and three. Uh, and then the sub-500 in the conference. Iowa at 3-4, Penn State also at 3-4, Michigan 2-3, Northwestern 2-5, Minnesota. Hey, remember when we were like, hey, is Minnesota for real? <laughs> that no. train's not late. They're 1-5. Maryland. And one and six squad in Nebraska still winless tonight. Two games in the Big Ten. Illinois is at Maryland, followed by Michigan State at Wisconsin. I think one of those games is good. You had the audacity, the nerve to tell me this Illinois and Maryland game was going to be a close one tonight. No, no, I said it could be a good game, and obviously Vegas agrees with me. They're only three and a half point underdogs. So whenever you go on the road on the Big Ten, it can be a tough game, and we'll see how Illinois responds from that uh, loss they had to the Boilermakers on Monday. Maryland has lost five of their last six. Their sole win on the road at Northwestern. No, they just lost at home to Rutgers. They lost at home to hey, Rutgers. Now, 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 Rutgers is 5-2 and two in the conference. They're doing well. Won five in a row, don't forget. Yeah, I know they came close against Wisconsin, but they got an assistant coach dealing with some stuff. It just they're they're not a they're not. Jared, it's so good for you to get this out of your system. I they think got you, beat I, by twenty I by like got Michigan. Been a frustration from last night. They got blown out by Michigan. I like to see this. It's good from you. Uh, <laughs> what do I do with you? Okay, uh, no, let's agree that Michigan State and Wisconsin's actually going to be very good tonight at nine o'clock. I agreed. I got Wisconsin though in that one. 
What's this? What do we got? On, do you have a spread on that one? I can click uh, on it right I here. It's do. three and a half in favor of Wisconsin. Also three and a half. Yep. Yeah. Uh, of course, Michigan State coming off that surprising home loss to Northwestern uh, have been pretty solid other than that. But Wisconsin, I think, is a really well-rounded team. Yeah, we talked last week about Johnny Davis. Where that? How do you go from like seven points to averaging twenty-two? Is mind-boggling to me. It is what it is. But uh, yeah, that's going to be a tremendous game later on tonight. Then we go to Saturday. Got ourselves uh, two games, one postponed. Nebraska's dealing with COVID, so the game against Ohio State is postponed. Maybe Ohio State can have IUPUI come back out again. Hey, they that was a short notice uh, assignment, and they went out and. Lost by 50. Yeah, well, you know what? That's what you do when you want a paycheck. Uh, Rutgers is at Minnesota on Saturday. Penn State is at Iowa. Um, I I want nothing to do with Rutgers in Minnesota. That's going to be another ugly game. I have no desire to watch that thing. Penn State, can we move the Penn State-Iowa game to to noon so that way it doesn't interfere with the football? Because I don't want the good game interfering with football. I like that. You should be the Big Ten commissioner. I should be the Big Ten. When are they going to come to their senses, Jeff? Exactly. When are they going to come to their senses? Uh, we get to Sunday, Northwestern at Purdue Mackey Arena. Um, sorry, Northwestern. This is not going to go well for you. <laughs> not a good situation. It's, uh, this is a terrible. If this is at Northwestern, I would say, okay, maybe maybe not so much. But in Mackey, a lot of trouble there. Michigan uh, heads to IU. and uh, Boy, that'll be an interesting game because Michigan's got talent. But, you know, the, how does I? You're waiting to kick it in, right? And, exactly. And, and maybe they did that earlier this week. Maybe they uh, didn't. Maybe they did. And how does IU recover from uh, that emotional high? You know, obviously on campus today, they're telling them how great they are. So it's, uh, yeah, that'll be an interesting game for IU. Yeah, no. Uh, so then there's no games for you on Monday. So Monday, it's a an off day. What are you going to do? We need one. Uh, Tuesday, Michigan State at Illinois. Ooh, that's a juicy one there. At the State Farm Center in Champaign. Um, Granted, however, Michigan State comes off that game on uh, uh, tonight against Wisconsin. Uh, That's a heck of a little road trip they put together there, isn't it? It could be. I mean, you know, and and these neither one of these teams have played any teams that are very good except for Illinois. And so we'll see what happens as these teams start to play each other and, and the losses start to pile up. Maryland's at Rutgers on Tuesday. Wisconsin at Nebraska. Moved to Wednesday. Not exactly a tantalizing slate with Northwestern at Michigan. Penn State is at Indiana, which then takes us into Thursday. And we got ranked teams back in action with Ohio State going up to the barn. uh, 8 o'clock on ESPN. Really? And then uh, Purdue heads out to Iowa. and uh, 9 o'clock. They'll have Keegan back this time. They'll have Keegan back, and, uh, you know, the Boilermakers will have time to work on that press. They gave him so many fits the first time in Mackey. Yeah, so that'll be a, a very interesting game on Thursday night, but you got to take them one at a time. Can't be thinking about that one. You need to think about uh, absolutely destroying uh, Northwestern on Sunday in front of a sold-out crowd in Mackey Arena. You take care of that business, and then we can worry about Iowa, and uh, we can all uh, we can all take the over in that game, right? I think that's a wise bet. <laughs> What's the over to be said? I had to pick it for Media Mania. I think it was in the 160s. Yeah, I think it, it, I look for that game to be in the uh, 80s uh, like it uh, could very well be like it was last time. Yeah, uh, and especially when you're putting in what the nation's leading score <laughs> all of a sudden is showing back up. Yeah, I think there's going to be some points. All right, that does it for us here on the uh, Boiler Basketball Show. Big thank you to Nate Barrett and a big thank you to Alan Karpik. Um if you uh, miss this program, we will get it reposted on our normal site, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. If you need more commiserating here from last night's game, my interview with Brian Newberg from goldenblack.com is also up on all those normal outlets. For Jeff Julik, I'm Jared Jesselitis. Thanks for listening.